0: Uh, everyone had a good afternoon and uh, I know I did I got a good nap and so I'm ready to go uh, for this evening and uh, we have really enjoyed being with you all today it's been a blessing and um, as pastor was saying uh, this morning we showed a video uh, during the morning service um, about the Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire and uh, about our ministry there but I wanted to take some time tonight Uh, tell you a couple things about um, our plans going back there, and uh, how the Lord has opened up uh, the doors there for us to go back. And um, so I hope that you'll, uh, I'll give you an opportunity uh, here in a little bit to to, um, ask some questions. And I can't promise I'll have all the answers, uh, but uh, we'll do our best to answer those. We love to answer questions uh, in in a group setting because, um, you know, a lot of times if you have a question, maybe someone else has the same question. And so um, be thinking about that, and here in a little bit, we'll have a, a chance to uh, for you to ask those questions. Um, but the thing that I I really try to get across uh, to folks when we talk about the Ivory Coast uh, or Cote d'Ivoire, what I try to tell folks is that Cote d'Ivoire is an open country. It is open to the gospel, and uh, not just in the sense of of um, the. The borders being open, although we don't want to take that for granted, you know, in, in the day and age that we live in. But um, the, what I was able to witness while I was there, uh, during the time that we spent there, uh, for if you don't remember or if you weren't here this morning, we spent about 11 months there working in ministry, my wife and I, and, and um, helping out with the ministry of, of her parents there. And uh, what I was able to see firsthand is that there are people... Uh, there whose hearts are open to the Gospel, who are willing to be taught about God's Word. And it was so neat for me to be able to see that. Uh, one of the neat aspects of, of the culture there is um, people are very friendly, very, um, uh, how can I say it? it, it's not difficult to make conversation with strangers. Uh, very different from what things are, how things are becoming here in America. But uh, over there, if you walk down the street, uh, most places, if you're walking down the sidewalk or along the street, and you pass someone without saying hi to them, uh, you can be seen as you're kind of rude because you didn't say hi. You just walked right past them without greeting them. And uh, you know that's kind of different from here. You know, we don't really talk to people much on the sidewalk anymore uh, here in America. But there, it's very much a part of the culture uh, to greet and to have conversations with strangers. And so uh, when we first got into the country... That first time that we went, uh, as, after we were married, um, we went over there on a short-term basis. And when we got on the ground in the country, I wanted to practice French. Uh, of course, Hannah, growing up there, as I probably mentioned, she speaks French very well. Uh, but I grew up in Missouri, and we didn't really speak a lot of French there. Uh, you know uh, that, So it, she was helping me. She had taught me a lot by that point. Uh, since we had we had known each other for several years by that point, and so she had taught me a lot. But if you ever learned another language, you probably know that uh, you, the only way to really get it down good, where you can say what you want to say, is by practicing it. And so I I struck out to start practicing my French, and what I did was just walk down the street and try to trying to talk to people, you know, just trying to strike up conversations. and And I knew how to greet people and knew how to say who I was and and speak a few words here and there, and so uh, this immediately started opening up doors because I would walk down the street and I would greet people, and one of the first questions that everyone wants to know is, well, where are you from? Because you're obviously not from around here, and, uh, and then what are you doing here? And of course, we explained uh, right from the beginning that we're, we're missionaries here to teach people about God's Word and tell them about Christ. And uh, during one of the first weeks that we were there, I was walking down the street and, and there was a man who was standing beside the street and uh, his, his job was, he was basically a security guard and uh, someone had hired him, at, he was working at a house and so the, the, the people that lived there were out and he was just keeping an eye on things while, while they were gone and so he was just standing around, he didn't have a whole lot to do and just had all the time in the world to talk. And uh he and I struck up a conversation we began to talk there and he of course was helping me with my friends trying to trying to help me through some things and uh I was I was uh telling him about what I was there to do and he very right from the beginning was very interested in learning about God's word His name was Alex and God opened up the door for us to study the Bible together and uh over a process of of several months uh you know because he lived or excuse me he worked in the same place uh, several days a week I forget exactly but there was a day of the week where I was able to continually go back and and to keep visiting with him and uh since he was working there had all all the time in the world really and it was just a few blocks from where we were living I was able to keep going back and talking with him and over a process of several months as my French ability was progressing and uh, as we were getting deeper into uh talking about the bible and what it says what what is the what is the truth of God's Word? What, what is it all about? Uh, over that process of several months, we eventually came to a point uh, where I was able to explain to him in French the Gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell him what Christ had done on his behalf. That Christ had died in his place. To take the penalty for his sin on himself. And uh, as I was, it was such a joy for me, uh, you know, just on a personal level, it was a joy for me to get to that point where I could explain that in French. But uh, Alex, at the same time, I kind of give you this to illustrate the situation there. Um, Alex, at the same time, was studying the Bible with a Jehovah's Witness missionary. And so he was getting confused about some things. He uh, He had some questions and things that we had to work through there. And, uh, but there came a time, not long after that initial point where I was able to tell him about the gospel, there came a point where we were talking one day, and I was explaining to Alex, you know, there's, there has to be a penalty for sin, and Scripture is clear about that. The wages of sin is death. There's a, a, a punishment, if we could say it that way. In French, we say, le châtiment. That's uh, the, uh, the, the penalty, if we could put it that way. Uh, that, and that penalty uh according to the bible is eternity in a, in torment in a place called hell and so as i was telling alex about that it, it wasn't jiving with what uh this other man had been telling him but he saw it in scripture he saw that it was the truth of god's word and that day as we were talking alex decided to trust Christ as his savior and uh you know that was such a neat experience uh such a a, a wonderful thing to see that uh god's word uh, saves people in french you know, it saves people in West Africa just like it saves people here in South Dakota. And uh, that's really what it's all about. That's what we're going back there to the Ivory Coast to do, is uh, to tell people about Christ. And so as we are looking to head back there, um, we are, uh, we've are we been on full-time deputation about a year and a half or so. And uh, now the Lord has, has brought us up to about uh, just past three-quarters of our percent, about 77% of the way there. Uh, of our support excuse me and uh so we are we are excited that that the lord we're kind of in the home stretch i guess uh uh, lord willing we would like to be finishing up by the end of this year and and the first part of next year be headed over there and uh that's we we don't have a date set yet but that's the goal that we're shooting toward uh with the lord's help and god has been providing along the way every step of the way and we're very thankful for that when we get back over there uh to cote d'ivoire we will be initially working with Uh, My wife's family, again, uh, will be uh, helping them about a year. We plan to be with them. Part of the goal of that time will be for me to continue working on French. And, uh, you know, right now I've gotten to the point where I can carry on some conversations, where I can actually preach in French, but that's not as hard as it sounds because you have notes. You know, if you walked around all day and you had typed out what you were going to say, it's not that difficult. So preaching in French isn't really that bad. Uh, but it's uh, you know, those conversations when you, when you have to know what you need to say uh, when you need to say it, right? And so um, that's a, a goal of mine, is to uh, continue learning French to the point where I'm not uh, struggling grammatically and making really dumb mistakes all the time, you know, and, and uh, making myself sound like a fool because uh, I, can't, I, I, I don't have it down as good as I should. And so I want to get past that and so that would be part of the goal during that first year but then we'd also be able to be involved with their ministry and uh it's neat because the the church that they are working with uh they're in, in they're in a coastal city the city of San Pedro and uh they have a good group of young people uh but there's a real need for someone to really focus on that group of young people and uh to to invest in them uh, specifically, and uh, so we we look forward to being involved with that youth ministry there. Uh, and then long-term, we'll be looking to branch out from there. Uh, after that first year or so, uh, we we want to be branching out from there into our own ministry. And that will be, uh, we're looking toward the interior of the country. Now, if you can imagine on a map, you may have seen it on a map, but Cote d'Ivoire is, of course, the Ivory Coast, and it's on the coast. And so the southern edge of the country is that coast and so going north into the country would be going inland or away from the coast and there's a pocket in the center of the country there where we believe there's a great opportunity uh, for ministry in the villages of Cote Du Bois and uh, we are excited to see how God will continue to refine and direct our vision there and how he'll uh, open the doors for us to, to minister there but uh, what we anticipate uh, and, and our goal that we have in mind is to reach the villages there uh, in that area. And uh, we, we will do that uh, by, uh, well, church planting ministry uh, is the goal, but we will be uh, starting in a smaller city. Not one of the great big, big cities, and there are those. There are big cities, believe it or not, over there. Um, but those, the bigger cities are harder to come and go from. So we want to begin in a smaller city, uh, that has uh, the, where we'll have the ability to come and go easily, and from there we'll be able to reach out into the surrounding villages. And uh, if you were to, to look on a map, or per, perhaps uh, uh, Google uh, like a satellite view of Cote d'Ivoire, from almost any city there in, in uh, the Ivory Coast, you could take a drive out of the city, and and most in most places you could hit maybe 15, 20, maybe 25 villages within just an hour's drive from that city. And so there's great opportunity uh, that we see if we're in a central location to use that city as a a base or a hub to reach out and and to do evangelism and discipleship and plant churches in those surrounding villages. And so that's the the vision that that we have in mind for Cote d'Ivoire. And uh, with the Lord's help, we look forward to seeing uh, many people saved and, and glory brought to the Lord. That's the goal. And uh, ultimately, our purpose, as we talked about this morning, the purpose of everything, uh, the, the reason for it all, is to bring glory to God. And that's why He made us. And uh, for His pleasure, we are and we're created. And so, we're just thankful tonight for the opportunity that we have to serve Him. We're just servants, And uh, it, our job is just to do what the Master says. Uh, so I want to open it up tonight. I'm thinking uh, Racking my brain here thinking there's nothing else. I wanted to say right at this time And so I'm going to open it up for questions uh, in case there are those and uh, I know we've gotten to talk with a number of you already throughout the day and They answer some questions already, but I uh, just want to give you an opportunity uh, if there are any questions that we can answer those. and I say we because uh, a lot of times I, I call in my wife for help, you know, drawing on her experience there in West Africa as well. And uh, she's very helpful in that. But uh, were there any questions tonight? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a few countries over. Yeah, there are very few radical or extremist type of Muslims in Côte d'Ivoire. Um, I was talking with someone about this this morning, and uh, for the most part, most of the, the vast majority, it seems, of, of those Muslims that you meet in the country are more or less, they're like nominal, you know, they're culturally Muslim. Uh, that's all. Maybe that's all they know, or they where they grew up. Maybe there was a mosque in their village, and so they just went there. That's all they they've ever heard. But what contributes to that, um, or, or what's a factor in that, I should say, is that the Ivory Coast has a very low literacy rate. Um, it's about it's around 50 percent. Uh, about half of people can read and write, and so that really contributes because if you can't read whether it's the bible or the quran or whatever holy books if you can't actually read it for yourself you're just going off of what someone else has told you and so it's it's difficult to be really entrenched and and really radical about it when you can't even read it for yourself and the same goes for the bible of course when 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 they're converted to christianity learning to read is an important step because how do you how do you grow in in the word of the Lord if you can't read it? And so anyway, all that to say that I think is a contributing factor to the fact that many are just going off of what someone has told them. And uh, so all that to say there's not there's not been a great problem with uh, radical extremist Muslims there. Um, uh, If you go far, far north to the northern border, we border um, Mali. And Burkina Faso and those are more Muslim heavy countries, uh, more concentrated uh, Muslim populations there. And so there's, all the way up at the border there are sometimes some, some conflicts up there. So, yeah, does that answer your question? Okay. As far as the country as a whole, it's very peaceful right now. So we, we wanted to say that right Yes. Mhm. Yes, yes. So, the, um, like my father-in-law in the ministry that they're in, they're on closer to the coast, which, as I was saying, is the southern edge of the country. And uh, it seems that the closer you go to the coast, the more mixed all the native groups are. Um, if you think of, I compare the, the native ethnicities there to, this, similar in a lot of ways to the Native Americans here in the United States, Where each group has their own language. Each, each tribe sort of has their own culture within their, their group, if you can, if you can imagine that. And so, closer to the coast, it becomes more of a melting pot, where, like, in, in their, in their church, um, they use, they have to use French, because there's probably three or four different tribal groups represented in their congregation. And each one of those has their own language. So, French is what everyone has in common. And so that works well there. Now, going toward the interior, there may eventually be the opportunity where we would be working with one people group, one tribal group, and we could potentially learn their language and actually work uh, you know in their language, which would be awesome. Um, but it remains to be seen how well that will work out, uh, you know, there in the interior. So, yeah, does that answer your question as well? Okay. okay. And yes, sir. Um, I don't know a stat of like yearly income, um, but I can tell you like on a daily basis. Uh, well, on a daily basis, many people are just struggling to get by. But uh, for a skilled labor, uh, you know, like a uh, someone like a plumber or a mechanic or someone that would come and maybe come and work on your house for you, that kind of thing. Many times they would get paid uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like ten dollars a day. Um, is, is about how it comes out. And so that, it, it's very poverty-stricken uh, in general. The, the country is, is very, um, uh, they struggle with a lot of things uh, because of that. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I, again, I don't know a number of, of the actual GDP or whatever, but um, that kind of gives you a picture of what things are like. Out in the villages especially, people. many people are just trying to grow things to survive you know they're they're uh, growing you'll see fields of rice because uh, the rice is kind of their staple food but they'll grow their own rice uh, because it's you know they can they can hopefully make it by with that and so yeah it's, it's sad yep, that's the situation there All right, yes sir Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, There are several of the biggest tribal languages there, the most common. There are several that have had the Bible translated into their language. Um, But again, there's like 70 of those languages there and only probably maybe four or five that have their Bible in their language. Um, But yes, again... uh, even having the Bible in their language, if they do have it, um, they many people have to be taught how to read. And uh, so that is, it's a, a very unique situation there uh, in that regard. But um, yes, yeah, so we, we anticipate probably uh, teaching literacy would be a part of our, uh, an avenue of ministry there as well. Um, you know, whether for n- new believers, you know, helping them learn how to read their Bible or... Um, or maybe even as an outreach, you know, teaching people how to read as as an outreach of the church. Um, that's a great, great door of opportunity there as well. So. They may, yeah, yeah. Many people would probably really like to learn to read French because that's the, what you need to get around for the whole country. You know, um, that would be uh, very advantageous for many people to learn to read French. So, and, and there are, uh, yeah, the French Bible is much more common there than those those uh, native uh, native language Bibles. And so, yeah, we have uh, easy access to French Bibles there. In the All right. Yes. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of bartering that goes on yeah or there's they use money you know their their uh west african franc is their currency um so they they trade and 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 do business on that basis they do use money but there's a lot of um uh what's the right word a lot of um Oh, oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of um, bargaining, you know, that goes back and forth whenever you buy anything in the market or anything like that. And so, you know, that's been a little bit of a learning curve for me, you know, to to learn that. Uh, for uh, my wife's family, they had a friend there uh, who ran a shop, and uh, he said that uh, I guess apparently just the way it works there, I said that if just the normal Normal African guy comes into the shop there's a an understood price or there's a price that's kind of the base price for how what things are and if a very well dressed obviously wealthy African man comes into the shop, they just automatically double the price and then they said if an American comes into the shop, then they all automatically triple the price and so we generally assume that things are cost about a third of what they initially say uh, or that that's what's reasonable anyway and uh, so yeah that there's definitely um uh, some learn or uh, uh, a learning curve to that, you know, not to be taken advantage of, um, but but yeah, there's a it's just part of their culture, you know, that, that you you uh, negotiate things if I can say it that way. So yeah, it, it's neat. I saw another hand over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the goal, of course, is for them to to be under national leadership, you know, for the churches to be, if we can use the word indigenous, meaning it's their national churches, you know, it's not an American church that just happens to be in West Africa, but they're actually African churches. Um, There is, uh, as far as training leaders, as we see leaders, uh, as the Lord provides, you know, men that... Um, could potentially become leaders in the future. Um, There is a school actually in the city where um, my father-in-law is. There's a a Bible, sort of like a Bible institute that was started by missionaries and now is completely under uh, national leadership. And it's a good school. They usually just have a handful of students every year, and there's a a handful of of, uh, the African pastors from that area that teach the classes and everything, and they do a good job there. And so that would be one resource, uh, but if we're too too far away from there to make that feasible, we may end up starting something in our location for that in the future. So was that kind of what you were getting at there? Okay, great. Okay, any other questions? Yes. yes there's a wide wide range of so-called christian denominations catholicism is probably the biggest one um they actually have the largest i uh, i saw or, or i showed a picture of it in our video this morning uh, you would have seen it there um it's a picture of the largest roman catholic basilica in the world and it's in cote d'Ivoire. and so it's, they're very very catholic um but then there's also uh, there's a, a Mormon temple in the city where uh, my father-in-law is there a big you know huge thing and uh, so the Mormons are there, Jehovah's Witnesses as I mentioned. Uh, but then there's a wide range of Pentecostalism uh, that's really popular there um, and I guess it's, it's really exciting and so you know they, they draw a lot of people with that and uh, so yeah there's there's almost any uh, 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 a lot of Methodists there as well. And so there's there's a lot there's a lot of different things, but the thing to, to have in your mind about that is that almost any denomination or religion there, at some point it gets mixed in, it gets all mixed together with a traditional um, African belief in the spirits, spirit worship, um, because that is so ingrained in their culture, and uh, even when people are even when people really get saved. Uh, It can be a really big hurdle for them to get over the superstitions and the 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 things that all the baggage that comes along with that. So that's one of the biggest hurdles there. Uh, See, you'll see even people that have been saved for years and been in a good church for years. uh, It's very difficult to get past um, thinking that you know this sacred tree uh, that that we can actually cut it down if we need to, uh, you know, to clear this piece of property because there aren't spirits living in it, you know. Uh, that but that's so ingrained in their culture, uh, it's very hard to get past of those. things. So yeah, it gets really confusing. A lot of our a lot of what the ministry there is is really uh, dealing with people who know a little bit about the Bible, but clearing up the confusion and opening the eyes to to the gospel. Uh, the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That's really what it comes down to. So, yes. All right, I'll take we'll take a, a, one more question if there is one. And, uh, and then we'll get into Scripture here. Alright. A- any other questions? Alright, well we'll be around afterwards and I'll say this, um, if you would like to watch the video that we showed this morning, um, that video about um, the, uh, the ministry there and, and our background and everything, that is available online as well. And so grab our prayer card at the back. We have a website address there, and there's a link to that video from our website. Or you can just type it into Google, probably our name, West Africa or something, and it'll probably come up. Um, and so we'd love to, for, you, for you to be able to, to watch that again and share it with others. And uh, we're excited to, to uh, share that with as many people as we can. So tonight we'll be in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Was this my water right here? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 4 is where we find ourselves. And this morning at the end of our video, there was a point where I was wearing this loud African shirt. And, uh, you know, I didn't warn you about it or anything, so hopefully I didn't catch you too off guard. But, uh, you know, th- at that point in the video, I was talking about Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7, uh, which has become a very important verse to me. And uh, I'd like to, to show you a couple things about this verse and this passage tonight. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning uh, of the chapter, to verse number 1. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1 is where we'll begin. And this is uh, the writing of Paul. He's writing a letter to the Corinthians, and he says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I want you to to take a pause here and notice what Paul is talking about. He's talking about how he preached the Gospel. If you remember, Paul's ministry uh, consisted of essentially traveling throughout the known world of his time and preaching, essentially church planting in uh, many, many cities. He planted... uh, I don't, I don't know an exact number, how many churches he planted, but there's probably some that we don't even know of. Uh, but the, Acts, the book of Acts describes to us how he took at least three missionary journeys, uh, church planting, uh, in, in church planting, itinerant. um getting my words confused here, itinerant ministry throughout the known world of his time. And so as he traveled around, he would, what he would do is he would go into a city, he would preach the gospel there. He would see people saved. He would disciple them and he would plant a church. He was a church planter. And so at he, what he's describing to us in verse number two is how he carried out that ministry, how he preached the gospel. And he says, we didn't use the hidden things of dishonesty. We didn't walk in craftiness, as he says here. We didn't, in other words, we didn't use trickery. We didn't use deception to get people to accept our message. We didn't handle the word of God deceitfully, as he says here, but we did, he says, this is what we did do, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I, I love the word manifestation. I want you to get this picture in your mind, because what Paul is saying, he's saying, we didn't, we didn't get people to accept our message by deceiving them, by tricking them. By, uh, by deception or craftiness, as he says here, he says we simply used manifestation of the truth. Manifestation—the uh, the word manifestation—is like uh, literally means revealing. Has the idea of uh, if you've ever been to a play or something like that, when before the before the play starts, there's a curtain that is covering up the stage. You can't see what's going on behind there, but when the light's lower and the, it's time to start, that curtain is drawn back and it reveals what is behind it. That's the idea of manifestation. It's pulling back the veil, pulling back the curtain to reveal the truth that is there. And that was Paul's ministry. He says our ministry was a ministry of revealing truth to people. I don't think there's any better way we could say it. Notice verse number 3. He says, but if our gospel be hid is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Another pause for a second as we wrap our minds around what Paul is saying. He says, God has shone into our hearts. This light he's talking about, this light of the knowledge of the glory of God has shone into our hearts and it has changed us. It has saved us. It has transformed us. As Pastor talked about this morning, that transforming power of Christ Very different from the conforming power of the world. He says that this light has shone out of darkness and it has shined in our hearts. And what has it given us? It has given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want you to see tonight that the Apostle Paul here he's talking about a light. He's talking about the light of the Gospel. The light of the truth of God's Word. The truth that sets free. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God But then as he says in verse number 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure? What treasure is he talking about? He's talking about that treasure of light. That treasure of truth. That treasure of the glory of God as it is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. That treasure of light that shines into our hearts. That treasure that changes us. That treasure of the Gospel that gives us new life. He says, "We hold that treasure. We carry that treasure. We have that this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and not of us." So Paul pictures us as earthen vessels in God's hands. And don't get hung up too much on the the wording here. Earthen vessels, this simple term. Uh, you know, a vessel is is just a container. Uh, we don't really use this word that much. That 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 way anymore. Um, But when you, I don't know, maybe you had pizza or something for supper last night and you stuck the, the leftovers in a Tupperware container to put them away in the fridge. That Tupperware container is a vessel according to the definition of this word. It's just a container. That's all it is. But an earthen vessel is a container that's made out of earth. It's a container made out of dirt, right? And if you can picture in the time that the apostle Paul is writing here as he's speaking to to these believers in his day and time this would be what maybe what they would put away their pizza in the fridge right they would use a container made of earth a clay pot if you can if you can get that image in your mind right it's a an earthen vessel it's just a container that's made out of dirt so paul is picturing us as earthen vessels he says that we carry this treasure in earthen vessels so Tonight, I'd like you to see two things that happen. And very quickly, we will, we'll be done quickly here. These Just two simple things that I want you to see from this passage. Two things that happen when we do our job as earthen vessels. When we allow God to use us for His purposes. When we yield our bodies to Him, as we talked about this morning. When we allow His hand to have control of our lives. There's two things that I see in this passage, and the first thing, if we go back to verse number three, the first thing is that the gospel is not hidden. What are you talking about? Well, look at verse number three with me. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It's a sobering statement of Scripture, a sobering statement. It it ought to make us sit up and pay attention. I don't know if you've ever had something that was hidden or lost. Uh, you know, this is something that happens to me more than I'd like to admit. I lose things, right? And uh, I, it used to be more of a problem, and, and uh, I would have you know, lose things like my, my keys or my wallet. You know, it's not something that I use once every month. It's things that I use on a daily basis, but somehow I manage to lose it. And, uh, you know, it's so frustrating because, um, you know, in the case of the key, I remember one time I I drove home from work and uh, when I got there a little bit later, I was looking for the key to the car that I drove and I could not find it. Now, in my mind, I could not have driven the car home without the key. Are you with me tonight? Uh, I had to have had the key to drive home. So the key, I didn't leave it at work, you know, it's right here at home somewhere and I searched and searched everywhere, and, and to this day, I don't know what happened to that key. And uh, so I finally got a little tracking device that goes on my keys. And uh, now, if that happens to me, I can just push a button on my phone and my keys ring. And uh, it's a wonderful invention for people like me. And uh, you know, But the thing is, if you lose your wallet, you lose your keys, or maybe you've had that experience of looking everywhere for your sunglasses and then you realize they're stuck on top of your head or you know something like that where it's it's right within reach but you can't see it that's what we're talking about tonight something that's it you know it has to be right here it's just within your grasp but it's hidden from view last year we were at a a mission conference that was like a, a Wednesday through Sunday conference and so after one of the the evening services on one of the weeknights we were at the back of the auditorium at this church and uh, we had been talking with people, and our kids were playing around back there, and we were getting ready to get loaded up and headed out, and so I started, I was looking for Daniel, our oldest, and I called for him, you know, Daniel, and I was looking between the pews, you know, Daniel, come, and uh, then I looked around, and I realized people were looking at me funny and laughing at me, like, uh, and then I realized that I was holding Daniel at my side right here, and, uh, you know, he was he was looking at me like, Dad, you're, cra- you're crazy, Dad, and... Uh, That's the idea of something being, it's right in front of you. It's, it's within your grasp, but it's hidden from view. That, those are silly examples. But what, what is Paul talking about tonight? He's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our gospel, he says, if it is hidden, who is it hidden to? The gospel that we're talking about tonight, the truth of God's word, the fact that Christ, the Son of God, came and was incarnate in human flesh. He became man he was all man he was all god at the same time It's beyond our comprehension but scripture tells us that he lived a sinless life he was tempted in all ways like as we are yet without sin at the end of his life he went to a cross to suffer and to die for my sin to die in my place to take the penalty that punishment that le châtiment, as i was talking about earlier the 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 penalty for my sin he took it on himself he was buried in a tomb for three days and He rose from the grave. He was resurrected so that I can have eternal life. My friends, that is the Gospel of Jesus Christ and it's for everyone. It's not just for black people. It's not just for white people. It's not just for people in in South Dakota or just for people in West Africa. It's not just for rich people. It's not just for poor people. It's for everyone. But to some people, it's hidden. Their eyes are blinded as this passage tells us, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So simply, friends, tonight, when we are doing our job as earthen vessels in God's hands, we are doing what God wants us to be doing. Our ministry is what the Apostle Paul's ministry was. Revealing the truth. Manifestation of the truth. Opening the eyes of the blind. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Christ, before He ascended to heaven, told His followers, and and we are part of that that group. We are, by extension, we receive the uh, the command of Christ to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What was He saying? He was saying that the gospel is hidden to those that are lost. Our job is to go and reveal it to them. Our, our job is to preach it, to re, to manifest the truth to them. So when we are doing our job, we are doing what God tells us to do with the gospel. As earthen vessels, the gospel is not hidden. But I want you to notice, secondly, and I said we only have two things, so this is the last thing tonight. The second thing that happens is that when we are doing our job as earthen vessels, we bring glory to God. You say, what are you talking about? Well, look at the verse... Verse number seven with me. And it says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We already looked at that part. But then the second part of the verse, he says this, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And the word that here is an explanation. It's like he's saying, essentially, he's saying it's so that he's explaining why God uses us as earthen vessels. He's saying God uh, gives us the ability to carry this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? It's so that the excellency of the power, and the word excellency here is, is, uh, it has to do with the immense measurement of the power. Other places in scripture it's, it's translated as, um, beyond measure or exceeding. It's talking about the immense power of the gospel, the, the immense saving power of the truth of God's word that is wielded in the gospel. But he says that that treasure, or that, 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 the power of that treasure, it comes from God and not from us. You see, when, when others see us, all of those around us see it, that we are Christians and that we are carrying a treasure. We are simply earthen vessels uh, that are. we are privileged to carry a treasure. The point isn't about how great we are. The point is about the power of the treasure that we're carrying. And that power doesn't come from us. That power doesn't have anything to do with us. That power comes from God. That's exactly what he's telling us here in this verse. He's saying that God uses us as earthen vessels. Why? It's so that that power of the Gospel will be from God, and it doesn't come from us. The the, the power of the treasure doesn't have anything to do with the container that it's carried in. The the, The truth is the truth, no matter where you find it. If I could say it that way. From time to time, Uh, I on special occasions or things, that I'll um, bring home. Maybe I'm shopping in a store and I walk past the the flower display and bring home a bouquet of flowers for my wife or something like that. And, uh, you know, she's always very thankful for those things. But what I've noticed that she usually does with those flowers, uh, she goes to the cabinet and she gets something out of a cabinet. Uh, Usually it's a uh, a beautiful uh, glass vase. Something like that, or you know, for you maybe it's porcelain or or it's it's uh, crystal. You know, something that looks beautiful. Get that out and you pour some water in there. Usually they have these little packets of flower food that you pour in the water and you stick the flowers in there. And what do you do? You set it on the coffee table, or you set it on uh, in the middle of your dining room table as a centerpiece, or maybe you set it on a shelf somewhere, or on the back of the piano. Whatever it is, you set that that display of flowers in a place where Everyone that comes into the room, they will look at it and they will say, "Wow, that is beautiful." What you don't do normally is pull out an old, dusty, dirty clay pot—something that looks like it was made out of dirt. Now, I don't want to step on the toes of any pottery lovers here. You know, I know that's kind of a thing, but once you get this image in your mind, for the sake of the sake of illustration, you see Christ has not called us to be the vessel that is put on display for everyone to look at and admire. Our job is not to sit on a shelf as the kind of container for God's Word that just sits there and looks good. We are to be earthen vessels, clay pots, containers made of dirt. The only, the only usefulness, the only, the only um, value, if I could say it that way, the only value of a clay pot container made out of dirt is the fact that it can be filled up with a substance and it it can be used for the owner's purpose and that's our purpose tonight that's our usefulness that is our uh our value to God it's simply that we can be filled up with the treasure of his word and we can carry that treasure to those that are lost and in so doing everyone around us as they look at us they say they don't say They don't look on and say, wow, you are doing so great serving God. Wow, you are doing an amazing job being a messenger for Christ. You know, you are the model Christian. You know, God's really lucky to have you on His team because you are so awesome. That's not the point. The point is for everyone uh, to see Christ through us. The point is that when people look at us, they don't see us. They see the treasure that we're carrying. The point is that when people look at us, they don't see the earthen vessel. If they do see it, they say, well, that's not the, the prettiest container. But I see the value of the treasure that you carry. That's what counts. That's what really matters. So God allows us, as earthen vessels, as clay pots, carry a treasure. The treasure of the Gospel. The treasure of the truth. The light. The knowledge of the glory of God. And He does it Number one, so that the Gospel is revealed. We are bringing the Gospel to those that need it the most. Those who are lost in sin. Who have their eyes blinded. We are revealing that truth to them. But then most of all, in so doing, the glory is brought to the Lord. We don't draw the glory to ourselves. We don't draw the praise to ourselves as just simple clay pots. But when we get this all in perspective, we realize that the glory... For the salvation of souls the glory for the treasure of the gospel goes back to the source of its power jesus christ i believe according to scripture that one day i will stand before christ in judgment uh, as as paul himself talks about elsewhere that every man's works will be judged and uh, as i stand before christ on that day i don't know when it will be i hope it's a little while still um, you know when this life is over. But on that day when I stand before Christ, I don't want Him to look at me and say, "Nathan, you looked really good sitting on the shelf." You know, you you do a lot of attention to yourself. You do a lot of the glory to yourself. You tried to look really good serving me because you wanted the attention, you wanted all the praise and the glory for yourself, but couldn't really use you much. I would much rather hear Him say, "You know what? You are a clay pot." an earthen vessel. That meant you might have looked like dirt sometimes, but it meant you were useful to me. I was able to fill you up with the treasure of my word. I was able to fill you up with the treasure of light, and because of it, I was able to use you for my purpose. And that's what really matters. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that as we are simply clay pots in your hands, Lord, that you choose to use us, simple, humble vessels, containers made of dirt. I thank you, Lord. Help us to have a proper perspective of ourselves tonight. It's in Christ's name I pray.